Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So today's episode is something that I think I've covered a little bit before, but I kind of I've come up with a little bit more new ideas on it. And it is in relation to some of the biggest fat loss mistakes that we can make. And there are many. There are a lot. So generally the, the one of the big ones that a lot of us can kind of get caught up in like there are so so many that a lot of people and i think people can forget about the the key to fat loss sustainability and success is a little bit more nuanced than simply diet and exercise it's a little bit more nuanced than eat less move more it will depend so much on your approach and your working on your behaviors, your beliefs, your habits, etc. Now, if I went and created a program called the Change Your Habits, Beliefs, Systems program, you wouldn't buy it. But unfortunately, there's so many people that are the most common mistakes that I see from time and time again. And what I'm trying to do is when I'm talking to a client and working with a client is trying to prevent them from from making these mistakes and actually achieving their goals. And then also to maintain their goals because I think a lot of people don't have a kind of a fat loss problem, they have a maintenance problem. And what I mean by that is weight loss as a concept is easy to understand. Less calories than your body needs over a consistent amount of time will make you lose weight, aka calorie deficit. That's an easy concept to make and understand. But what people can really, really struggle with is that whole element of maintenance. Because maintenance isn't sexy. If I create a maintenance program, no one would want it. But if you look at every other track record and every other time they potentially lost weight in the past, these three things are probably overlapping. But there's one main thing in there that you've lost weight in the past, but you've actually never learned how to maintain it because you've never really, really addressed your habits, behaviors, your 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 traits your belief systems so we don't necessarily have a weight loss issue we'd have a we have a maintenance issue so what are the three main mistakes that i see people make the number one one is that i believe is trying to change everything at once so if you think of it like this so if you're like most human beings when you decide that you want to make changes, your natural inclination is to do a major life overhaul in an attempt to meet those goals more quickly, easier, more kind of less effort. But if small changes are good, then huge sweeping changes must be better. That's exactly what you're thinking in your head. If small changes over time get me to where I want to go, well then huge sweeping changes must get me there quicker. We've all been there at some stage in our lives but if you think of it like college you sign up to college for three four year degree you don't go into that college saying well i'm going to do this in two years you might but you might be laughed out of the place but many have tried this approach before and you know that when it comes to your habits your behavior change it's nearly impossible to stick to it in any way because you've never addressed any of these your approach is so, so restrictive. Your approach 
involves no change to your habits, no change to your behavior, no change to your belief system, your reward system. Because you simply can't become an entirely different person overnight. It's not possible. It is possible to change your habits for the better and have better coping mechanisms. But the best strategy for success isn't the overhaul strategy. And there's a best-selling author called Leo Batuta. Batuta. And he's a habit expert as well. And he estimates that when you focus on changing one habit at a time, the likelihood of retaining that habit for a year or longer is 80%. However, if you try to change more than habit one at a time, the success ratio drops from 80% to 20%. This means that if you're working towards change, that your best bet is actually to, to focus on changing one thing at a time in order to be successful. Now, this isn't, this isn't exciting. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't a fad. This isn't a fat loss, fad diet or whatever it may be. And it's not probably not extreme enough because we're, we're addicted to extremes. That's why if I created a maintenance program, no one would buy it. We live in this world of extremes. We, like maintenance isn't sexy. Learning how to maintain things isn't sexy. But this approach has been proven to be effective, incredibly effective. You need to look and reassess at every approach that you've ever taken. How extreme, how restrictive, how hardcore has that approach been? Now look at how long you actually stuck to it. Ask yourself, has this ever worked? And then you kind of become a little bit more aware of saying, well, it hasn't worked. So why do we keep doing it? Because we're so emotionally led by it. So if you're looking to make one habit change at a time, where do you actually start? So number one is you need to identify your long-term goal. So in order to do this, you need to assess where to start. So it's important to establish your long-term goal and the why behind it. You may have heard me speaking about the why an awful lot. But when you're establishing your goal and your why, you may find it helpful to ask yourself, how will achieving this goal improve my life or make me actually any happier? So, for example, if you maybe your goal is, is the big goal is to improve your body composition by losing some body fat, right? And then the why is that you are able to move more comfortably, to, more comfortably to play with your kids. Or perhaps the goal is to get into better physical shape and the why is because you want to play sports again for and being able to compete at that. But then the next step is you need to choose a small, specific, action-oriented, short-term goal. So the very next step you need to consider is your starting point and set a small, specific, action-oriented, long goal that you'll practice for the next two weeks. So this should be realistic, achievable, and moves you towards that goal. It should be reasonable, and it should be reasonable enough that you're confident that you can do it consistently. Too many people, when they try to do weight loss, is they try to change everything, try to do things, change their whole world, and never never go back to it, and never change anything. And then beat themselves up for that. I can't lose weight. But approaching your goal in this small, small, small manner sets you up for more success. And achieving these small short-term goals over and over build this positive feedback loop. It gains momentum, builds motivation. It gives you a sense of pride. And it allows you to celebrate small wins, which will further motivate you to continue to work towards your bigger goal. 
So let's take an example. So let's say your bigger goal is to improve your nutrition to help you actually lose body fat. But when you actually look at your current nutrition, your starting point, you notice that the majority of your meals are convenience foods, restaurant meals with a heavy emphasis on more processed foods. And there's very, very little protein. Now, this seems like a very, very solid place to start. Remember that protein is paramount for muscle growth and recovery. And it's one of the most satiating macronutrients. And the macros are protein, carbs, fats. So how about starting with the protein goal? Maybe set your short-term goal of having a protein with three main portions of protein each day. So protein would look like maybe meat, beans, eggs, Greek yogurt, protein powder, fish, all these different types of things. And maybe do that for two, three meals a day and do that for one or two weeks. It fits the criteria because it's small, specific and action oriented. And more, more importantly, nothing else in your diet needs to change right now. You're only focused to actually incorporate a serving of protein in two or three times a day. And then this will become a new habit for two weeks. The next thing you could do is, and step three, is track that habit. So I normally say when I ask my clients around their, kind of on their check-in sheet, how, how adherent have they been to their training or nutrition? And I normally kind of set a metric in my head of and mark them out of 10. They mark themselves out of 10. I normally kind of look at it from a point of view if you're like within 70 to 80% adherent over a consistent amount of time, you're going to get the results you're looking for. If it's any less, there's probably something up. If it's 100% all the time, great. But is it sustainable? A lot of people can struggle with giving themselves any credit, which sometimes I add on numbers in my head to kind of give themselves a little bit more credit. But once you've, so with the protein example, and once you've been hitting that new habit for 80% of the time, you're ready to move on to the new habit. So if you're shooting for or aiming for two or three servings of protein each day, Seven days a week, that means you need to include protein in at least 11 to 14, 11 to 16 meals to achieve that that 80% consistency. So as you're evaluating that actual habit for the next two weeks, you may encounter one of two scenarios. Number one is at the end of the two weeks, you review how it went and you realize that you easily got that serving of protein into your meals. You made it a priority and you became a more regular part of your meals. So that means you now you create a new habit. You feel successful, you kind of get momentum now and you may find yourself ready for more. And at this step, you kind of go back to that step two, choose another small term solution to go and work towards. By analyzing your current starting point, for example, you notice that your vegetable intake is particularly a little bit low. And knowing that vegetables are packed with nutrients, they can help with your fiber, they can help with your digestion, they can help with your appetite, they can help with your getting minerals and vitamins, they can help with kind of cravings as well so that means that we need to increase the volume of eating vegetables into your diet and this time you continue having two servings of protein per day and then you can incorporate servings or two servings of vegetables each day for two weeks nothing else has to really change eating a serving of protein at two or three meals should be feeling pretty normal at this stage and nearly automatic automatic pilot at this stage so now you'll have to work on getting two servings of vegetables in each day and then evaluate that progress again. 
But sometimes in scenario two, which I'm going to talk about now, this things doesn't really go very smoothly. Perhaps you had a hard time consistently having two servings of protein every day. And at the end of the two weeks, you've kind of graded yourself at about a C average, about 65%. And then that habit self doesn't feel normal and natural. And you have two options in this scenario. You either continue practicing this same goal for two or more weeks and shoot for 80% consistency. Or sometimes we need to take a bit more work to work on a small goal. And that's, and that's okay. So could you plan that little bit more meals? Could you potentially shop a little bit better? And add protein into your, your your trolley. But if it feels too much and overwhelming you, then it might be time to step back from that and shoot for one serving of protein or two servings of protein each day. And if you nail that for two weeks, that's amazing. It's not that we're giving up on the goal, we're just moving the goalpost. And scaling your habit is is good. It's it's not a sign of failure. It's quite the opposite, it's setting you up for success. Eating protein one meal every day, it's still an improvement on potentially where you were and where your starting point was. And plus, racking up any win and any non-scale victory, no matter how small, is still key to long-term success. So shoot, shoot for 80% for that and see how you go. And all these goals push you really, really hard towards that bigger goal. And as long as you focus on one thing at a time, your chances are substantially higher than if you dive headfirst into a massive overhaul. So how do you actually eat an elephant? How do you eat a carrot? How do you eat some meat? One bite at a time. This is one of the, the a great quote that's out there. And it's a great approach of how we should approach a goal. The next one is, and the next mistake is one that I think a lot of people are going to resonate with is having unrealistic expectations. So... Like if you think about it, nothing is more demotivating than setting unrealistic expectations and then not being able to meet with them. So when you start your goals, it's important to make them re- reasonable and realistic and based on where you're starting from and what you're willing to do or not do to achieve them. So it's like it's really, really important that we understand what our bodies are capable of and what we're capable of doing. It's important to look at, well, if we're brand new to training, we're not exactly going to be going to lift 100 kg weight straight away. But it's important to look at it from a point of view of after you set your goals based on realistic expectations, it's important to understand that, the, that even with kind of like minor tweaks to your nutrition and a pretty decent training plan, progress is a little bit unpredictable. It depends on many, many things much more beyond what you do and what you eat and how you move your body your hormones your sleep quality and quantity stress all play a massive role so even if you are making consistent progress over the course of say 6 to 12 weeks it's very common to go through a period of where everything comes to a screeching halt for a few weeks and then like by what I mean by that is you could be losing weight consistently over time each and every week then all of a sudden just stops like a train and then what happens if you're kind of like well one week hasn't gone my way so what happens to an awful lot of people they're like well the expectation was to go and lose weight every single week but that hasn't happened so what do they do they go back to old habits they're like no fuck this it's all emotionally led but what happens if you actually stuck another week did exactly the same thing for two weeks and what would happen then 
is probably things will start to gain momentum. And if things haven't changed for two weeks, well, then you change things. You change your approach. But with measurements, weight, body composition, photos, strength, libido, confidence, clothes feeling better, none of those change in that two-week period, well, then something might be off with your approach. Ask yourself, have I been 80% adherent? If you have, well, then then you might need to either increase your cardio or increase your steps, or you might need to reduce your calories. Not by much. By 100 or 150 normally does it. But like fat loss, muscle, muscle growth and strength, they all ebb and flow throughout your journey. That is natural. Like I know there's times when I've been bang on the money with my training and my rest and my strength goes up through the roof. And there's other times where I'm a little bit more stressed and my strength will go down. You're kind of like, you don't know what to do. And then you're kind of like, yeah, you can get a little bit frustrated. But I have a choice in that matter. Do I stop what I'm wanting to do? Or do I take and check in and say, right, how do I do it? How do I lower my stress? How can I get this process that a little bit more under control for myself? The important thing is that sturdy C word, which is you remain consistent. And mistake number three is that you believe you have to suffer in order to see results. For some reason out there, the idea persists that in order for someone to lose weight, or someone to enjoy food or nutrition to work, it means eating that you have to be miserable and the process becomes completely unenjoyable. And many people believe that enjoyment can't possibly deliver desirable results. But I have to start waiting until I die tomorrow. I have to start counting calories tomorrow. But nothing but cod and spinach for me for a while. I'm going to cut out carbs, I'm going to cut out fats, I'm going to cut out sugar, I'm going to cut out sweets, I'm going to cut out chocolate, I'm going to cut out diet drinks. What's left? The problem with this approach is that you will never ever last. You're setting yourself up for a fall straight away. You'll mainly eat bland foods, egg whites, you'll have no energy, you'll drink like really, really crap asparagus and then your willpower will go and then you'll wave the white flag of surrender and you'll beat yourself up for not being able to stick to it. But when it comes to fat loss, I always recommend the exact opposite of what most people do. But this is where fear ramps up. Fear around foods. And it's never the food is never the issue. It's how we see ourselves. It's being projected onto the food. So eat a wide variety of foods. The goal here is enjoyment. The goal here is consistency. And the goal here is fullness. So feeling satisfied by the foods you're eating is crucial when it comes to a sustainability, sustainable approach. Everyone appreciates and loves a great meal. But when we force ourselves to eat these bland, repetitive food, recipe, recipe books that are really boring, it's a recipe for disaster. We end up finding ourselves in the press, raiding things, but when we're choosing foods, the pick foods that we actually enjoy, foods that you recognize. So a typical example of this would be you have your normal breakfast and then at lunch you're kind of like, well, I'm going to have rice cakes and a salad. And I'm kind of like, one, that sounds not tasty in any way and it feels like you're on a diet. And you wonder why at like two or three o'clock after you've had your lunch that you're still hungry afterwards and your energy is completely dropped. 
But what happens if that's what the approach is? And then what happens in the evenings? You end up picking on loads of food and then you're back to square one and you beat yourself up. But whereas you have soup for lunch. Now, there's, I have nothing wrong with soup, but soup is a starter on a, main, on a menu for a reason. It's not a meal. But a lot, a lot of people can come at me and say, well, I, I like salads. I'm like, I, I, salads are great. I had salads as part of one of my meals last night. But it shouldn't be the main fulcrum of your meal. Like if you add in some carbohydrates, add in some protein, and then have the greeny leafy veggies around it if you want. But it shouldn't be the meal. It shouldn't be the sole focus of the meal. Get some protein in. Get some carbohydrates in. Add in some variety of fruit and veggies. Add in some cheeses. Make it tasty. Look at foods that you like, that energize you, that you're looking forward to, you digest well, that enhance your health, and then fuel you going into your workouts. If you look at, if, if you're knackered after your meal at one o'clock and you're still knackered at three o'clock, there's a feedback that you're probably not eating enough. You're tired, see what happens? You end up for more eating and then the cake comes into the work because it's Sharon's birthday. And you're kind of like, well, I'm so hungry, but I'm being good. I'm like, no, you're being restrictive. Think about it. The next time you're kind of looking at setting yourself up for a week of food, look at how can I get protein into my meals? How can I get some carbohydrates into my meals? How can I get some fats into my meals? How can I eat more regularly? How can I get these foods into my shop? So, here's some food for thought. You eat a dry chicken breast and broccoli, but you end up digging through the press and the fridge for something to satisfy you. This probably sounds familiar. Next thing you know, you've eaten a handful of crisps, you've eaten a bit more cheeses, a few slices of ham in the, in the, the, from the fridge, half a brownie, maybe the whole one. But would you not have been better to look at the meal that you had beforehand and making that chicken and broccoli a little bit more satisfying by adding in some butter, some a little bit more carbohydrates, even that if that meant eating, adding in some more extra calories. My guess is that if you did that, it's probably going to be less calories than the, the, those snacks that you had eaten. I've actually had clients say, this doesn't feel difficult enough. They're looking for problems. They're looking for issues. They're looking for methods to self-sabotage themselves. I would always ask back, like, do we make, need to make this harder? It, it feels too easy. And while eating for fat loss may not always be easy, I actually don't believe eating for fat loss is a thing. Do we lose weight as a byproduct of our nutrition? Yes. But there may be moments of discomfort, but it should never, ever be miserable. I'm a firm believer of that. Why? Because we don't need to be miserable. It doesn't have to be miserable to be effective. Like If we understand that there's a ton of information out there and we're trying to understand or we're trying to make heads or tails out of it, it can be really challenging. You may read about kind of celebrities that are out there who prepare for award shows or starring roles using extreme approaches, but those results aren't even lasting. Like you can overall overhaul your diet, you can starve yourself and temporarily achieve dramatic results. But until you resume eating normally again, 
those changes disappear really, really quickly. And unfortunately, like mainstream media encourages people to take really, really hardcore approaches to dieting because it's a lot more interesting to, to it's a lot more interesting story. They want you to believe that losing fat is really, really difficult because they're trying to sell you something that's a quick fix that promises to make it effortless. And many of these companies are making huge amounts of money by setting you up for failure. And then what happens? You get emotionally discouraged and you end up going back down to another one. You go back to them looking for the same answers, urging you to make drastic changes by promising unrealistic results. One of the things I always say to clients at the beginning is, what is your expectation to come out of this? I'll never promise the world to clients. I'll never say, well, I can guarantee you're going to lose 5kg or 10kg. I'll never guarantee things. I will guarantee 100% effort from me and I will 100 guarantee support for them. I will also 100% guarantee that we kind of look at different belief systems and habits and edit those if that person is willing to change them. If that person isn't willing to change, well, then it's, it's impossible. I can't make anyone do anything, nor should they. We'll only ever do something if we're uncomfortable, if we're uncomfortable enough about changing something. So when you actually start to struggle, these companies, they swoop into with health products that they claim will deliver the best results once and for all. They, these companies don't have your best interests at heart. And in fact, they hope you fail over and over and over again. Why? Because they want you to buy it again. Remember those quick fixes and fad diets. Fad diet means food avoidance diet. Those quick fixes you keep going for make the process longer. The longer you do that, the longer it's going to take. The less sustainable it will be and the more frustrated you'll be. I just want you to know that fat loss doesn't have to be miserable. Which ultimately leads me to my bonus point that's literally come into my head. Which is shaming your body into fat loss. Many people believe that if they love their bodies, they won't be motivated enough to change them. So they fuel their fire for their hardcore training by dieting, by saying absolutely horrible, horrific things to themselves. Like if, you, if your kids heard half the things that you say to yourselves, well, why did I eat those brownies? You don't have any willpower. Oh, I'm as big as a house. I have to start running. Oh, I feel so fat. I'm a fat, I'm a fat X or Y or Z for having that food. My ass looks awful. I hate my legs, my thighs, my arms. I'm going to have to get to going in the gym again. They probably sound familiar and you're probably nodding and you're kind of saying, right, that actually they're horrible. I really hope that you aren't saying those things, but if you are struggling to lose fat for a while, you may have similar soundtrack playing in that head on that repeat loop. And I'm here to tell you that it's, it's not helping you. And it's also hindering your long-term results. Hating your body into change is not sustainable. And even if it were, realistically, it's not very much true health at all. And you can love your body or accept your body in that moment while wanting to change it. I've never seen anyone change their body out of hate successfully. When people start to accept their body for the amazing things that it does for them, you can change your body and try to make it work better for you. Functionality, strength, give you more confidence. 
you can't hate yourself into positive change. You can't change yourself with a negative connotation towards it. But focusing on changing your lifestyle because you like or love your body or accept your body because it's more sustainable, more enjoyable, allows you to eat the foods you enjoy, allows you to do some sort of exercise that you enjoy. But it becomes a little bit more that you enjoy doing the, the things that you're doing rather than feeling like a chore. Now, if you want to learn how to do all of this, pop me a DM, click on the link in the show notes to book a, book a call with myself. So those four things that I see are the mistakes that people make on a daily, regularly base, regular basis that hurt my soul are trying to change everything at once. Number two is having unrealistic expectations. Number three is believing that you have to suffer in order to see results. And number four is berating your body into or shaming your body into fat loss. Nothing positive happens when you change, hate yourself into change. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, tag me up in your story. If you have, leave a review up on iTunes and up on Spotify. And please share it with friends. Hope you've enjoyed the episode.